Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. Let's start off talking about commercial radio. You had a long career in commercial radio. And what did that teach you about audiences and storytelling in the audio format? Well, Graham, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be on the podcast and it's great to talk to someone else who is passionate about this space and mm -hmm. brings their expertise to the picture. So, my background was radio. I spent 12 years producing radio shows as an audio producer. So, they were typically national radio shows reaching an audience of about a million plus per show. And I did that for 12 years. So, mm. breakfast shows, drive time radio shows, was lucky enough to win an award for like best achievement in production. So, I love radio. I grew up as a 14-year-old doing an internship and went all the way up to the top. So, that space is very cool. And in terms of what it t teaches you about audiences and specifically when it comes to reaching them via audio, is it's a powerful medium. It's connecting with people where they're at generally in the cars, in the radio format. It gives way to people telling their stories. It gives way to comedy. Often I worked on comedy radio shows and it really looks at how to reach them in the best way. So, that started off as just traditional radio frequencies and reaching them that way and then that progressed into the digital space and connecting video and social media to radio shows and now we're seeing a trend where radio stations are now investing heavily into the podcast space. So, mm. it's been really awesome to see that transition. You had the number one drive show, which I imagine is the most competitive slot mm. in the scheduling. The Kate, Tim and Marty, obviously this is a probably a, a known, name, known names in Australia. Mm. I guess that was the one that you got the million plus audience on. Um, what, what does it take to achieve that i guess not just on a, a singular basis but on a consistent basis definitely chemistry is a big part of that so it was made up of kate ritchie who was made famous through home and away she was an actor for 20 plus years before joining radio you had marty sheargold who's a comedian in his own right and then tim blackwell who brings the real radio piece the technical piece and contributing to that conversation chemistry is the reason people will tune in you mm. have to have a show that is enjoyable to listen to as a fly on the wall listener and that show achieved that. But behind the scenes, you have to have execution at a very high level and do that day in and day out. So, as part of a team, whilst I was the only audio producer on that team, there were three other uh, producers, one of them an executive producer who each day are coming to the table with content ideas, refining what we're going to talk about. It's a team meeting and then it's jumping on and hitting live, which is the most exciting mm. part of radio. There's no taking that back. So, definitely chemistry, high execution and building that relationship with your audience, letting them in. Kate and Money were great at letting them in on the jokes. There was a whole language of the show. There were all of the in-jokes. There was the banter and I think that plays a big part rather than just a traditional two hosts who are 
not that they don't have can't have that banter, but when three people are in it, it's well executed. Then you get mm. something really special, and that was radio. Curious about this chemistry. If you, for example, were a betting man, and you had <laughs> to bet on a series of, you know, three hosts that were like a carousel, like coming into your office and saying, "We want to start a radio show." Sure. Which one would you bet on? How would you identify that chemistry? Because I imagine it's probably quite easy to post-rationalize it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's why it's totally. successful, right? <laughs> totally. But identifying it, it's almost like betting on startups, isn't it? What would, be the, what would be the telltale signs? <laughs> Look, I think speaking from an audio producer perspective who's heard a lot of different shows and a lot of shows that didn't work, that didn't have the mm. right chemistry and probably learning most from them, if you have to be a team player first and foremost, you have to bring a unique experience. So in that case, it was a comedian, there was an actor and a radio person. All of them had a unique experience, but all of them were happy to be a team player. And that's so important because where it doesn't work is if you want to be front and center, if it's about you, and then that isolates the co-host that you're dealing with. So if I was a betting man, I would say, hey, they have to have the right attitude going into it. B, they have to have enough of a unique experience and background and life experience entering into that picture. Mm. And those are the two biggest things. Then you need to put them in a room, put some mics on and hit record and see how it sounds <laughs> because very quickly you'll tell if there's something special here or not. That X mm. factor, I guess, is what I'm describing there. It's And that can only come from doing the demos, which they all do, and doing a two-week trial and seeing what they sound like together. Some interesting points, Darcy, this idea of isolating co-hosts or hosts even, right? Or even guests. Mm. Think about what we've experienced in the last 18 months. This is huge explosion in not only podcasts, but webinars. Mm. And, you know, as the main format of communication across the internet, digital, right? I mean, radio excluded, obviously. Mm. And what seems to be the MO for most shows, if I can even say that, I'd say more like events more than anything or mm-hmm. podcasts, is there is a lack of chemistry, partly because people don't know that's how it should be. Maybe, you know, it's going back to the very early days of radio, which is linear in a sense. It's broadcast. Mm. But this idea, like you're saying, like the hosts, the co-hosts, letting people in on the jokes, there is a big difference. When I listen to radio and I listen to podcasts, that radio speaks to the audience. It speaks to you as the Mm. audience, whereas Mm. podcasts seem to be a conversation which I'm almost like looking through the glass window on and, you know, almost like a, a focus group from the old days. You know, that seems to be the, the feeling I get. I mean, obviously, the successful ones are, are very different. W- what is your take on that? What needs to change? Is it just a matter of time before people start realizing, actually, I can't rely on guest sharing. I need organic audiences. And to do that, I need to speak to them directly. Sure. What's missing at the moment in podcasts? Well, the reason I left radio. So, I left radio full-time uh, March last year, so 12 months down the track, because I could see that there was something missing in this podcast space. There were, as you described, some people 
who were just getting together in a room and it didn't have that same energy and passion and connection to the audience that a radio show can achieve. So what I think needs to change really is anyone looking to start a podcast, connecting with a podcast producer, be that myself or there's a whole range of people out there now who can coach them through that process, who can show them how to bridge the gap between just having a fly-on-the-wall audience and really deeply connecting with them week in and week out, building that audience, seeing that growth, building an interaction, celebrating milestones. I mean, these are all the things that radio does so well. And Mm. I don't think it's hard to achieve that in the podcast space if you meet the right people. And what is exciting, what I love about podcasts, it's now giving people the opportunity. Radio is really hard to get into if you want to share something you're passionate about or be an announcer. And it often just put the tools, being the microphones and the support of a radio station in the hands of a very few amount of very selected people. And so we're now on this like equal playing field, but you've got to do it right. That doesn't mean everyone should start a podcast. It doesn't mean that you feel like you've got FOMO. So as a company or organization, we should just buy some microphones, hit record and see what happens. I think if you can step into it with the mindset of let's achieve something, build an audience, learn what we don't know, then you can get the same result, I think. Hmm. The market's moved on, hasn't it? Like just starting a podcast and building an audience was a given a few years ago. Mm. Uh, because of supply and demand, wasn't it? But like you say, now it's an equal playing field. A lot of people do have access and knowledge, importantly. Mm-hmm. So now the supply of podcasts is increasing. And to stand out from the noise, you need to apply all these ideas that you've talked about from radio. If you were yeah. to take the average podcast now, which is, you know, man speaks to man. <laughs> about man's journey. That's fine. I mean, that was okay a few years ago. And and like you say, maybe a a very good foot foot on the ladder to get started in podcast, right? Mm. Yet that's step one. Where do I go with that? If I'm a brand and I'm doing that kind of podcast, where do I need to aim towards knowing what you know about radio? How, what would be sort of my next steps? How do I make that more engaging? Yeah, that's a great question. I love building engaging podcasts. So I think a great example of where a brand has entered this space with a different mindset of how do we create engaging content for our audience to consume would be IKEA. And so IKEA came to me before they launched their podcast channel in Australia and we had this chat that we're having now of like, how do we build that and make it engaging? And rather than just the traditional interviews, which absolutely have their place and we do with the IKEA brand because it's important. If you can get thought leaders who are going to really speak to the areas that your audience need to hear from, then that's important. But then also think outside the box. So something we did with IKEA is build the sleep podcast. This podcast that is a 30-minute guided almost meditation Mm. and it's got an IKEA employee reading the IKEA magazine (laughs) in a very slow, relaxing voice and there's music and that took off. People loved that because not only only though did IKEA get to bring their messaging, which is what a podcast is about, you're sharing a message, 
but they got to do it in a way that really engaged their audience. And it's crazy. You look at the map of that. Thousands of people every night still go to sleep with that mm. IKEA 2020 sleep podcast and the new one that has just come out. And so it's having fun with it. Like, it doesn't have to have a corporate look and feel just because you're a business or an organization doing that. It can be fun and engaging on a content-wise, and then you can bring your audience along the way as well. Mm. So, having interaction, getting them to leave your voicemails or emails and reading that out, like having that two-way conversation rather than, as you say, just two people having a chat and then that's it. That's where it ends. I absolutely love that podcast. I think it's a masterpiece and it, it's <laughs> an award-winning you. podcast in my book. I've, <laughs> I've been telling everybody about it as well. And <laughs> I mean, if you listen to it, it's so on brand. You could have taken this in different ways, Darcy. You could have done this the very traditional way. And yet here is IKEA, which is a, a multinational corporation to some degree, a little bit faceless, like all multinational corporations. A billion dollar enterprise will naturally yeah. become very corporate, right? And here we have in a very, I mean, if you know Scandinavians and Swedes, very subtle humor, yeah. which, you know, you have to be in on the joke. It's, it's not really obvious, you know, so when you've got somebody saying, this is a bedside table. <laughs> That's my best Swedish accent. You know, like at face value, it possibly appears quite dry, but there's humor in there and it's very human. And I think that that's a, a masterpiece in the fact you can humanize a brand, which is very much front and center of the public consciousness and show that actually these people are people really. And, you know, they have a sense of humor, you know, that works wonderfully. If you look to who that is, who they've used to be now the unofficial voice of IKEA, it's Kent. He's someone who has is from Sweden, has worked at the company for 20 years. There's been times me and my wife have gone to IKEA and seen him there and you bump into <laughs> him and he's friendly, which is great. But I think too, it also identifies that you can. there's so many humans within any given mm. organization and it's such an opportunity for a company to identify who is going to be the voice of this company and be engaging in this way. And Kent was pretty shy and nervous of the process to begin with and over time just came alive. And if we give people who are already on the team the opportunity, then you get such a great thing. And now now when I go to IKEA, you, you think of Kent and that's mm. a pretty powerful branding opportunity, I think. That's a win. Completely. It's a Humanizing <laughs> the brand, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and people follow people, not brands now. Yeah, and you know, absolutely. like there is a connection to the IKEA brand, but increasingly, people will connect with him, and mm -hmm. you know, the people of IKEA. If you think about your experience of IKEA or any service industry, it's very much defined by the last person you contact, whether that's yeah. the person you contact on the phone or a flight attendant or somebody at the checkout. That's really your experience of the brand. That if yeah. you have somebody at the brand, uh, sorry, at the checkout who gives you a negative experience, that doesn't matter. You can spend millions on advertising, yet the people really create the brand. And therefore, we're in this interesting time now for brands is that we're moving from an era where it was very much top down. 
where, you know, in a sense, it was about brand. And even when the brand communicated to audiences, it was through proxies and proxies were mm. actors and even, you know, mascots like Tony the Tiger, right? These, yeah. these were like not people. These were things, right? Um, cartoon characters and, you know, fake influences like they had on the, you know, whiter than white washing powder type ads, right? Or Hamburglar, you know, these general yeah. now creepy characters. <laughs> Ronald McDonald. There you go. Yeah. I'm sorry, but what's creepier than a clown? <laughs> That's a great one. And then you've got now you, this challenge of how, how do you humanize a brand? And I guess the, the challenge, Darcy, is, uh, you know, like as a an owner of a brand, my concern is that firstly, my people aren't comedians and ex-actors like you had on the radio. And secondly, I'm a little bit scared if I give my people a voice that what may happen, that you mm -hmm. know, we may let the genie out of the bottle. <laughs> How do you deal with that conversation? Because I imagine you know, for years it's been based on control. Where does yeah. it go from there? How do, how do you sort of reassure people in that situation? And I think it's a really important thing. If you're not having that conversation, then you're rushing into this process. And what I have day in and day out with brands who want to enter this space is, A, having a good editor makes a world of difference. Mm. <laughs> I think that's a really important thing. A podcast is often a pre-recorded medium, so you have still an element where you can shape that conversation and make sure you put your best foot forward. But it's also working with those people. So, more often than not, we'll do some pre-coaching before we even hit record on anything to make sure the structure of the podcast is going to resonate, mm. make sure the topics are going to resonate, and make sure that person in that hosting role um, is going to feel comfortable and at ease before we put a microphone in front of them. But what I think is really important and something I'm deeply passionate about, the people that you're trying to reach are just humans. Their moms, their dads, their work people, they're commuting, they're just humans. And this is an opportunity for another human to talk to them about your brand and putting it through that human filter. So, sometimes it shouldn't be polished. Sometimes it shouldn't just be this very prof professional, um, very contrived presentation of audio. If you can bring and introduce that human element into the podcast space, and I think it makes your brand way more accessible. Mm. It makes them on a human level and connects with these people on a human level. And I think that's the power of it. No longer do we rely on, as we say, the hand burglar or Snoop Dogg trying to sell us menu log. Actually, <laughs> we can rely on uh, engaging, intelligent articulate conversations that mean something to us that is targeting what would resonate with your ideal customer. Mm. Amen to that. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? We're almost going full circle back on retail <laughs> yeah. and, and service, yeah. isn't it? Where in the old days, it would have been if you went to the butcher or you went to the you know, the candlestick maker, whatever it may be, you would have got service and they would have asked you, you know, how's the family? The kids are in school. You know, it's almost like going back to that, humanizing it in a way, that kind of idea, a very nostalgic idea of service. But that's possible if we can take those ideas on board, like you talk about, right? Almost like you're giving people guardrails, right? That, you know, okay, you can play within this space.
and these these are on point and okay you can talk but just remember that you know we have an editor so you can say to the comms manager and the brand manager that it's not going to go off brand so give them the confidence that they have that sandbox to play in right yeah but also invest so the other thing i'd say to anyone listening to this contemplating of building a podcast is don't start that process by recording it on your phone or recording into a cheap usb microphone like reach out to someone like myself who can guide you down the right equipment path of going, let's get some great equipment. Let's get a great microphone. Let's have that pre-coaching session. And then you can feel and sound confident. And Mm. that's the important disclaimer in this process is if you want to enter the podcast space, people are going to judge you now on your audio quality. And that is what's representing people's brands in this age of audio that we're in and so it's really important that you get that right too lastly darcy i want to ask what do you know about podcasts that other people don't know at this stage what is it that you believe that the world disagrees with you on when it comes to audio and podcasts Ah, interesting i guess it would be that this is the early beginning of it there's some people out there who and have voiced this to me that go, yep, podcasting's a fad. And if you're jumping on a podcast now, you're late to the that. And what I would say as an insider and someone who loves this space but is in it day in and day out is it is just heating up, especially in Australia. And I'm talking about within the last matter of weeks. So a great example is we're about to employ another full-time staff member here. And if you look at the job market, there's four, five other full-time audio roles going just for podcast editing. Mm. And so now radios are investing, like radio stations and TV stations are investing heavily in this space. And it's going to give way to, I think, great content that's going to come through those channels. And I think it will entice those people who have been on the edge of going, oh, should I start a podcast? Should I not start a podcast of going, yeah, I could jump into that and you could go down the radio avenue or you could go down the independent podcast production avenue, which is what we specialize in, or you could DIY it yourself as well. And it's going to give way to more stories, more opinions, more expression. And what I love is when we look around, like I caught the train in, I'm in Sydney, I caught the train, you look around and there's such a diverse collection of people who make up our environments now and i think podcasting is just getting more exciting because suddenly there is a way for those opinions and views and experiences to come to life through this audio medium and so look you can tell i'm passionate about it but i really think it's just starting we're at the start of something really special and something that's going to be really impactful Yes, brands can reach their their audience. Yes, people have the opportunity to share their niche. But more importantly, people are going to hear stories and content that's going to resonate with them on a human level. And I think that's just the most exciting thing. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.